This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host, joining me to discuss what went down at Craven Cottage, the latest filler news, three things, and the latest bout of media muppetry, Mr. Phil Shaw, Mr. Chris Bird, welcome. Hello, Hello, sir. What have you gentlemen been up to recently? I was at a comedy show. You was at a comedy good. show? <laughs> I was at a comedy show, and no, I haven't been to Villa Park. Was you performing? No. <laughs> went to see, went to see a comedian and then it was a strange thing because the warm-up act came out and he did 15 minutes he was pretty good and then we had to sit for like over and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 45 minutes for the main act to come out, so it was, you needed another warm-up. <laughs> Lucky he was okay. He was good. Who was he? Is he known? Neil Delamere. He's a Irish comedian, but he is very funny. Chris Bird, any comedy in your life this weekend? Well, I had the nephews down this week, so it's been a full throttle action at Cabri World, amongst other things, with a three-year-old and Bird a seven-year-old. Of Cabri's World. Any, is it good, Cabri's World? How many times have you been there? I went once when I was a child. I haven't been back for about God, quite a few years now. Have they added anything since last you were there? It's all right. It's good. Is it like Willy Wonka's? I mean, it's not that bad. It's not that mental. You, know, you can't go floating to the ceiling or licking the walls or anything. Frankly, mm. I, th- I think less of it for it, but it's pretty good. It's worth a look. Don't you normally lick the walls when you're out at a club night? No, that's what I mean, the whole <laughs> 10 toilets. <laughs> and how are you? I'm delightful. I think we should have some villain news. I think we should. <laughs> First up, we just saw this before we started the show, so we're not deep diving on this at all, but uh, UEFA have published the European Club Finance and Investment Landscape Report based on the last financial year. What can we say in summation? English clubs so much richer. I mean, TV revenue is almost twice of what Spanish clubs get. And obviously the Spanish club TV payment is tiered where Barcelona and Real Madrid get more than the rest. But Villa pop up quite a lot across the board in terms of their wage to revenue ratio is right up there which starts to explain a few things that have been happening can't quite work out if it's 70 percent or 92 because it 
appears as two different metrics on uh, different pages. But I mean, if it's ninety-two, that is that's too high, way, way too high, and uh, potentially dangerous as well. But one point uh, it, it does say is Aston Villa reported a loss before tax of one hundred and thirty-eight million euros in twenty twenty-three after a transfer-driven profit the previous year, despite the pandemic. This annual loss is one of the three in the top fifty largest historic club losses. Wow! <laughs> yeah, they had money so they could spend it, didn't they? Yeah, so it, 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 there's caveats, isn't there? That you know, a, a bit like the the other extreme one. More recently, will be Newcastle, where because Ashley had spent nothing for five years, they had the pot to spend, and they had yeah. the wiggle room to do it. So Villa had the wiggle room; they were allowed to spend this. So you have to kind of read a bit more into it. We're not like Barcelona, where we <laughs> hemorrhage your money left, right, and centre, and in nearly a billion in debt or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. We haven't we haven't pulled any financial levers yet, like Barcelona did yet. And we are amortising a lot. Yeah as is everyone in the Premier League. You can see why they've shelved the stadium if once you look at this report and also why there's a lot of talk about offloading key assets in terms of the financial fair play situation. We'll uh, talk about this more once we've digested it and I'm sure it'll uh, pop up uh, in other media as well. There was a letter from Villa staff uh, addressed to the fan advisory board group in detail over four pages detailing the antics of Chris Heck and Ben Hatton in terms of uh, running the club since they've been there we know for a fact that this letter was actually delivered uh, two weeks before it was actually out on Twitter so this is not like a straight to Twitter uh, type thing so anybody saying oh this is fake this is attention seeking uh, it's not there's a lot of questions to be asked about this but there is obviously uh, a reality behind it and that's all we'll say at this point at this juncture but no surprise that suddenly there was a bit of uh, oh picture of Mings at Bodymore Heath a bit of deflection and distraction going on oh picture of Chris Heck buying some fans a drink PR 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 Mings bury the bad news that was a strange one just to put a picture of him up at Bodymore Heath without any context knowing how rabid uh, social media is old Fabrizio Romano, he he bit he took the bait. He bit it hook, line, and sinker, saying Mings is back in full training and working to get back to fitness as quickly as possible. Yeah, which the, I mean, the reality is, you know, you're not going to see. I think Emery uh, basically he said, said it, didn't he? he? Yeah, he said uh, hopefully they'll be in proper training and and up and at it by the end of the season. Uh, where you you know you might see Mings on the bench here and there, but it's really all about being fully fit for next season. Look at what happened to Carlos uh, last season where he was on the bench and barely saw any action, didn't he? It was just to get him involved again and uh, mm-hmm. as part of the squad. So, uh, yeah, you'd need a massive injury crisis to see Mings anywhere near starting, certainly uh, before May. Yeah, I think it's, that was reckless to put out a photograph like that just with no context as well. I mean, that's just stupid. That was just to generate no, a bit it of was, positivity. It was, it was as I just said, feel good, it's, isn't it? No, it's potentially weaponized as a distraction, but uh, hey ho, that's just we're just speculating. Hmm. Bailey signed a new contract, improved. This is a strange culture in football, I find. Maybe I'm being cynical, but when a player finally does what he's what he was paid and signed to do, people are saying, "Give him a new contract," and he gets a new contract after not doing what he was paid and signed to do. This happens. This is not just Bailey. This happens so often. It's like Lambert. Remember Paul Lambert does you know, fuck all, and then suddenly start of a season wins like three games at the start. Give him a new contract. It's it's a weird thing where they get signed, 
get really good money right now, you know, now perform and earn that money and they don't. And then suddenly after a good month or two, suddenly they get a new contract. It's a great industry to be in if, if you're a player and you want to get rich. Is that being cynical? <laughs> uh, it is, but... Whatever. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, what's wrong with Mark Bosnick? Well, he had to. Um, he had a suspected heart issue. He was meant to be broadcasting over the weekend and got rushed to hospital. Since has messaged, I think it was via his official Twitter or Instagram, just saying, I'll be fine in due course. But yeah, I think he had a bit of a, a bit of a health scare. I mean, hopefully he doesn't do what he used to do when he was a player in terms of narcotic intake. Hmm. <laughs> but these things always catch up with you later on in life, don't they? But unfortunately, hopefully he's, uh, unfortunately. Hopefully he's okay. Speaking of Australian goalkeepers, there's a good link. Joe Gauchi arrived. What's that, like a Primark Gucci? <laughs> yeah, you know, we're balancing the books, David. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, if we hadn't spent so much money in the last couple of years on transfer, we could have got Joe Gucci. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> arrived from Australia and uh, straight in, he was on the bench, so Emery can continue his dream where he plays two goalkeepers on, where he has two goalkeepers on the bench, just in case some real shit goes down. Under-21s convincingly beat the Borough 4-0. Travis Patterson... He looks a good player, actually. He's been moved around, hasn't he, in position? Yeah, he was a, he was a forward because he'd, he'd been on the bench, hadn't he, a couple of times. He'd been with the first team on a few yeah. occasions and as a sort of a, a backup attacking player. And then all of a sudden he's playing as like a sort of a wing back who seriously bombs on. So whether they're trying mm. to turn him into a bit of a sort of an Alexander-Arnold type player. He looks weirdly like um, Jude Bellingham, actually. Strange, it's uncanny. Could do with a Jude Bellingham, that's for sure. Villa women got a good win. Was it? I remember at the start of the season they uh, got beat by Spurs at home, which really set the tone for what was to uh, become well, essentially just snowball from that game. But they won at Spurs two one with goals from Leon and Nobbs. Yeah, they're doing pretty well without Rachel Daly, who's suspended. Next up, they play Arsenal in the semi final of the uh, Conti Cup. Before we go on. Supporting the show, something my old man said has been using for a few years now, NordVPN are offering our listeners an extra special deal because it's their birthday. They're offering a birthday exclusive where as well as big savings on their plans, you get four extra months free plus a free Uber Eats voucher as well. NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite screens and other content no matter where you are. By switching your virtual location to access apps and websites in other countries. It also protects you from people monitoring what you are watching, which can be useful for various reasons, as well as protecting your safety. One NordVPN account protects up to six devices, so you can pretty much protect a whole household. To find out more about the benefits and also access their birthday savings package go to nordvpn.com slash moms and to top it off you also get a 30-day money-back guarantee as well three points nottingham forest hire mark clattenberg the former premier league referee i thought he was a united fan i just presume all Premier League refs are United <laughs> fans, by the way. He has been appointed by Forrest as their new referees analyst. What is the point of that? It's cl- it's clearly like a pressure move. I mean, if we remember a few months ago in the three points, Barcelona were in trouble because they appointed a referees analyst, but he was still president of the, the referees association. So it would be like Man United appointing Hardweb in public instead of in secret like they have done. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, uh, maybe it's just to lobby, like lobby his mates at uh, PGMOL. Bit, bit of a strange one. Point number two, the Premier League has filed its accounts for 2023 with a revenue up 13.6%. Can you invest in the Premier League? It seems to be a good investment. Total payments to Premier League clubs are also up 12% in the, the season 2023. Payments to P... <laughs> I know. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. is this correct? Yeah. yeah, payments to PGMOL were almost seventeen million. Yeah, and that was only Manchester United again. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I know who pays them that. All the clubs club together and give them seventeen million. Yeah, you you notice it's not twenty, so it's not an even split. So <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. Does that mean the three that get relegated don't have to put the money in? Probably. Maybe they pay three million back on apologies. <laughs> So that's a scandal straight away. I've, I've, it stopped me in my tracks there. Increase in international TV rights was worth an extra $367 million to Premier League stakeholders, which is the club's EFL solidarity payments was down. Of course. We make more, we give you less. It was weird because obviously at the point of them doing these accounts, Brentford had announced theirs as well, and it basically showed that Brentford had made more profit in the two years in the Premier League than Man United having 31 seasons, essentially always at the top of the Premier League. And that's basically because of the Glazers driving so much debt into the business. So currently Spurs and Arsenal are actually the most profitable clubs in Premier League history over the the total period. I find that hard to believe. I thought United were... Well, they're on another level in terms of income, revenue. Well, it shows how much debt's been driven in by the Glazers, personal debt as well. Mm. Whereas Brentford are, as we know, a well-oiled machine. Lean and mean. Uh, Point number three, good pictures, uh, good videos. I don't know if you saw the video of what happened in the German Bundesliga 2 match between Hansa Rostock and Hamburg, which was interrupted by remote control cars carrying smoke bombs. Two cars entered the pitch after 10 minutes, emitting blue and white smoke. Also, was there, was there remote control cars at Bayern Munich's game as well? No, it was the tennis ball protest. So there were throwing uh. tennis balls. I mean, there's, there was a weekend of protest um, in response to a plan from the, the basically the, the, the German Bundesliga clubs to sell an 8% share of future TV rights in exchange for like the venture capitalists to promote the league around the world so they're, they're selling their future for so marketing. fans aren't happy yeah I mean going back to the remote control cars I th- rather than getting bored in the upper halt when players roll around feigning injury I would like some remote control JCB diggers <laughs> where I could <laughs> just like roll them on and, and push push the players off the pitch so the game can commence fitted with tasers on as well <laughs> Or a cattle prod. <laughs> well, it's the same thing, pretty much. Big thank you to everybody who joined us for a marathon match club session. It was, wasn't of, it? Uh, my old man said members, if you join us as a member, not only do you get ad-free versions and extra shows of the podcast, you also get membership of Match Club, which includes, uh, for away games, we get together and do the live uh, show, which is a virtual meeting of us all, pre Halftime and post-match, and uh, oh, the post-match one for the Fulham game went on for just under three hours, didn't it? It was like the days of lockdown. I think didn't didn't uh, <laughs> one, didn't Vicky say that she'd gone out, shopped for di- got a delivery, cooked dinner, 
ate it, tidied up. <laughs> was watching Man- the Manchester City game, and it was at the 87th minute by the time we... Uh, and then checked back in. Called Wait, it a day. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, in a live uh, show, you can talk about things uh, a bit more freely as well, so it's always worth tuning in to the, the Match Club sessions. So if you want to join us, like Tim Boswell, Richard Whistle. I can't remember if I gave you shouts out last week, but if I didn't, there's a bonus one. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And also, Kevin Hayes for joining us as an annual member. If you join us as an annual member, you do get 10% off, which is uh, a month, just over a month for free. So please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the membership link there for more details. Also, please do follow us on social media at my old man said whether it be x stroke twitter facebook or instagram i will keep you updated on things like the website redesign and also the my old man said merch shop will appear in working order this week as well so you'll get heads up if you follow us there right let's get into this game now Credit where it's due. Fulham, very good at home. Recent months especially. Slapped West Ham 5-0, slapped Forest 5-0 in December, then beat Arsenal 2-1 in January and drew against Liverpool. This is as good as it gets in terms of home form. Eighth best home record in the, the league, although, as I said, they get re- they've got really good in recent months. So we were reasonably pessimistic going into this, considering how Villa had been faring recently. Although, two positives was... An improvement in performance against Manchester United, but finishing was terrible. And then you had Torres coming in right at the right time because what you're going to miss with uh, Kamara in the build-up, you will gain and potentially improve with Torres. So he negated, well, a large part negated the Kamara loss and actually gave us a chance uh, of not being too weakened. Now... Villa just had to crack on with this because United are coming for us. <laughs> every day, every day I wake up in the morning, I just think, oh, shit, United are coming for us. He doesn't give a lot away at Ten Hag, but you can see that he's a lot more confident in his team and that they're a lot in a lot better place. I think he'll fancy they'll get to top four. I think he'll really fancy hunting down Tottenham and Villa. And I think they'll be feeling the pressure a little bit. I'm not saying they'll get there, but I think you can see there's a little bit of the bit between the teeth. In terms of the rest of the team... Tillemans came in further up the fields. McGinn played behind. I think when they put the team sheets up, everybody thought like Tillemans was going to play deep sitter, but it was the reverse situation. It was just slightly different shape, really. I I wouldn't say McGinn played deep. He just played slightly deeper, but it was basically just a four across the middle. Yeah, because I think you can just have Louise as the sitter and let Torres step up into midfield and that helps in terms of the playing out. It's just uh, what do you do when your fullbacks bomb on because Kamara used to obviously slip back as a centre-back. Yeah. This one was interesting actually because we, a little bit like how we did in pre-season, it was Moreno would go, Cash would slot in. So actually when you don't have the ball, you're actually playing a back three. Yeah. And I think that might be the way they go, essentially allowing Torres to step in and almost just you know, have, a, have a much more fluid system, which I think that, that, that should work. Early action, Villa disallowed goal. Fair enough. Well, Watkins goes through, doesn't he? Very, very early. First couple of minutes, slips the ball past the goal. It's a really good finish, actually, but he is you know, comfortably offside. But it's a warning shot, fired early. A bit of warming up for Watkins as well. It's, yeah. yeah. It may be flagged off, but it's always useful for a, a striker to get his eye in early doors, so it's to range speak. Range finder. Yeah. yeah Fulham, uh, I mean, Fulham were all right, though, weren't they? They were threatening... Uh, 
It promised themselves. to be a good game, actually. They gave it a bit of a go. They had the ball in the back of the net. It was, again, it was a, a bit closer as a decision, but it, again, it was offside. A bit, a sort of a, a worrying sign of Villa defending another set piece, but it was the right decision. And then following that, Fulham played themselves into trouble. Villa get the lead from a, a dreadfully executed throw in by them. Yeah. Comes to Ramsey. Ramsey nicks in. Composed, gets the ball to Watkins. Great spin in the penalty area and a fantastic finish into the bottom corner. Yeah, made up for his uh, Manchester United impotency. Yeah, it's a great finish, that one. <laughs> the, the turn completely made it because normally some a player would have just snatched at that, but Watkins, it, again, all an instinct, just turned out the, the opposite direction, leaving himself you know, a clean shot across the keeper. It's a bit like the, the shot, the Chelsea one into the far corner away at yeah. Stamford Bridge early on the season. But again, mm-hmm. when he when he acts on instinct that's the strength Ollie Watkins should be an acting on instinct the whole time yeah it was a smart finish as they say and then uh, you know Bailey was into getting into the game great yeah, effort uh, the way the way he beat the player was the, the main bit of that <sighs> stunning action, wasn't the build up to that and the and actually the approach play how we were playing through the middle you saw you know McGinn Louise Tiedemans all getting through the midfield I thought they had really good Another f- a really good first half from Ramsey where you saw him getting on the ball and driving through the lines. There's, there's some real positives, actually, from the last sort of couple of weeks. Well, I think Torres just make, is more progressive. It, it, he gets yeah. that ball forward rather than, you know, sideways. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it puts the opposition under pressure. And I think Villa are better, aren't they, when they play on the front foot? Once you, Villa get through someone's press, they're just onto you so quickly. Yeah, and then it just, you know, it, what it should just, have been it just the, helps get the pace involved, doesn't yeah. it? Oh, yes, Bailey yeah. and, and also dynamism. Yeah, he had defensive work to do as well because there was a couple of times I think it was Deckard over Reed um had the run on him and Torres just stayed strong and, and you know gave him the slightest of nudges and like not even a nudge like shoulder to shoulder and Reed dived twice in the game and Torres gave him plenty of stick for it but no he was he was composed at the back and and as you say there his passes cut the lines so he was he was missing out the area where it seems to have got bogged down in whenever he hasn't been playing so it was. No yeah. aimless passing in the middle. Torres sort of missed them out, hit Watkins, it stuck, and then players were playing off him. It it, it improves the tempo, doesn't it? Well, the whole mm-hmm. team's tempo. It just gets you up the pitch fast. Yeah, you go from Longley to pl- playing it to Carlos, playing it back, playing it to Kamara, playing it back. Just get them all off the pitch and just put Torres in there. <laughs> He's like a quarterback, <laughs> isn't he? And he? Generally speaking, he makes the right decision. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, and at 1-0, Villa, you know, Villa were good value for that. Of course, they had the ball in the net. Moreno has a probably one of the talking points of the game, really. The, the, you know, the ball in the net, it's a good a good header from a set piece. Goes to VAR, everyone's scratching their heads going, we haven't got a fucking clue what's going on here. 
you know, to the naked eye to begin with, you think, yeah, he might be offside there. Then the lines get drawn and everything gets lined up in the frames and the lines aren't parallel to the six-yard box. It's very confusing. And you can see the line's not parallel when you see the goal line. <laughs> and then and then the, the thing's almost at sort of, I don't know what degree that is, but it's noticeably not straight. It's a very strange one. Luckily, of course, it didn't end up A very up convenient line, I think, is what I would classify yeah. as. Yes. And, and it's hard to say, you know, if... Because if you knew where the decision was going and it was Bailey's foot, which is just in an offside position and he's engaging the defender, you'd kind of go, all right, it's frustrating, but at least we understand. Whereas Moreno, you're sort of thinking, well, which bit of him is offside here? Yeah. It's a yeah. very strange one. No, it's like you said, to the naked eye in the first replay, you're going, ah, I think he is off in that one. And then as the lines get drawn and get slowed down and tilted around the broadcast, I think, you think, oh, there's a bit of hope here. This is, this is actually onside. And even the the broadcasters did say, oh, he looks on. This is just going to be given as a villa goal. And we're yeah, just waiting yeah. on it. And then all of a sudden, offside. So no explanation, no nothing yeah. yet. Luckily, the, the chances kept coming. You know, Watkins had a fantastic break, pressured the sent him to the centre back in the middle of the middle of the pitch, drives at pace through there. Tielemans, bless him, is really struggling to keep up with him, but does. Watkins rolls him in. You thought of hoping actually that it was the shoe was on the other foot because he'd have fancied Watkins just to dink it over the keeper there, which Tielemans probably should have done. We should have scored then, and, and Longley had a chance from a set piece again. So Villa were you know pretty good value for the lead at half time. If anything, you. A bit like the you know sort of moments in the United game, you're sort of scratching your head, going, "We could have been home and dry here," and you just hope that well, Fulham are going to come out in the second half and give it a go, and it won't be that easy again. Because I thought I actually thought Fulham defensively were crap, or Villa made them look crap. However, you want to you know frame that, but you just thought Fulham will get chances here eventually, and with the makeshift back line, which who actually I thought had a, a fairly good game. I think a few people would have been a little bit worried about Longley playing on the right hand side of a centre back pairing. Actually, I think it allowed. Torres to do the ball playing work and Longley to do the sort of the purer Defending. defensive work. Yeah. And he, and he had some fantastic interceptions and some some really timely ones, certainly in the second half. That has been his trademark, actually. Yeah, it has. Longley, in terms of he, he turns up at the right time at the right place in terms of his defending. Half time, I was, I was pretty confident with how it was going. We, we should have been, I thought we should have been home and dry. And that was my only worry. But I actually thought if Villa continued to play this way, there's more goals in this yeah, force. It, it didn't look like we were going to end 1-0 or, or they would score next I think it was important to get the next goal by the way but still we were looking good I mean we obviously we looked good against Sheffield United but we had to caveat that against you know we were playing against an atrocious team we've had five put past them you know a couple of weeks later again every every week yeah Um, (laughs) every other week well against Man U without having that final pass and finish and then the second goal was was picture book wasn't it you know the yeah, play yeah. through the middle, right through the lines at pace, McGinn to Tielemans to Watkins, Watkins goes through and it's a really, you know, he smashes it past the goal, he beats him for pace, just as a great team goal. Yeah, I said, I said at the time it looked like Tillemans was taking a golf shot because he plays the ball and then he just kind of walks off to the side, his job so done. So <laughs> isn't he? He's like, yeah, I'll be in. Yeah, it's like finish that. But that's what he's good at, isn't it? You know, he's not a dynamic sort of a ball carrier, but in terms of picking a pass and unlocking a defence, which maybe we would have thought we might have missed when we lost Buendia, Tielemans can do that. They're very different types of players, but yeah. a, a cracking ball, lovely bit of play as a team goal. And it's similar to some of the goals we saw, you know, like when we beat City and Arsenal in that little run. 
some of those goals. Great finishing at 2-0. I was I was pretty confident actually, especially considering I, I wasn't actually very confident before the game in this one. I thought yeah. it'd be tricky and um and Villa were making at that point fairly light work of Fulham and you thought, well, we can either sort of run through them at this point or manage the game. Unfortunately, we had to kind of manage the game a bit, but we gifted them a, a really poor defensive goal to kind of make a game of it when really it should have been game over at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing, just to go back to the goal again, is that is your, your picture book goal for playing it out from the back because it went down the spine of the team. Torres, De Luiz, De McGinn, De Telemans, De Watkins, and Watkins is finished. He just hit it. I mean, that that's what he should be doing. I mean, no head down, hit the ball into the corner, great finish. But as you say, it, it only lasted six minutes at 2-0 up and then let them back into the game. A rare Martinez sort of mistake, you would say. He said in an interview that because of the high line, you know, he hadn't necessarily played that in his career. So he's, he's kind of still very much learning. And of course, if you're rushing out, and he's done very well at this actually uh, throughout, through especially the last few months, he has played sweeper keeper essentially and he's been very good at coming off his line and you know and get that tracks back to the world cup final in the injury time in terms of closing down one-on-ones this time he, he kind of got it wrong didn't he i think they both did i think it's a it's a collective thing isn't it? when you get the miscommunication i mean when the because the ball goes wide doesn't it and they're it's a bit of a not an aimless ball into the box but it's a bit of a hit and hope isn't it just stick it into an area and hope for the best and the forward shouldn't be nicking in in front of Longley or Martinez. There, somebody has to take the lead and just go. The ball. If you watch out. it, Long- Longley stops because he would have carried on running and just cleared that. Yeah, or played it out, uh, you know, wide. But in that instance, he saw Martinez coming, and that's where he just that's where he thought it's Martinez' ball, and he takes, you know, he, he stops running basically because he thinks yeah. Martinez I, I, is going to go in there. Yeah, I like that Martinez at least holds his you know, holds his hands up and sort of says, "Do you know what? That's that's on me." So respect to him for that. Yeah, and then you know, Villa, Villa could have gone straight up the other end and got a penalty, which was a, another fucking bizarre decision that I don't even think it went to VAR. But you know, Watkins goes flying through. It's another great Tielemans ball, little whipped ball in behind. Watkins takes the ball through. And he's taken down. And you think, well, but was, it, was he there. was he like shouldered off? No, it was there was contact at the on the legs. Um, legs because legs to leg on it. Yeah, because the it was Diop again. Diop and Watkins were at it all game. Um, Diop was very physical with him, but Watkins obviously had the beating off him for pace. He just put his leg in front of Watkins and sort of like knee to knee. Um, let Watkins sort of like bundle them off the ball. Now, if you saw some of the penalties that were given this weekend, particularly in the Arsenal Burnley game, far more contact than that, and just. It was strange. It was it was like everybody Villa played on because Watkins fired wide and then he turned around and goes right. What what's going on here? Is it a penalty or not? And again, the broadcast looked at it. This this was a rookie ref, wasn't it? It was. It was. You and you could tell at times actually. And I think well, I what, think he had a bad what game. happened what happened earlier on in the game was Torres essentially shoulder barged somebody off the ball in our penalty yeah. area, and I think it might have been a bit of a balance the books, so to speak. Yeah, I, th- I think he was in general actually. He, the game got harder for him as it went on. I think as Fulham got more frustrated, well, they went was it beast f- mode. They they brought five, all these five yellows chaps. in the last five yellows, wasn't it? In the last ten minutes or something to Fulham. Uh, Wobi came on uh, at half time for William, which I thought was logical. And you know, obviously yeah. they had players at uh, the Afcon, so that's why they're not rushing them back. And he he was a bit more of a physical difference without really. Uh, well, he, he I suppose he, he made them more of a, a life threat. Then Harry Wilson came on, and then Traore at his latest club came on <laughs> hmm. and had a massive chance didn't he 
and suddenly it was like, my God, Fulham, it's, they've gone full beast, mate. They're all, you know, yeah. big, muscular. Yeah, and Calvin, Calvin Bassey's a pretty good player as well. I mean, yeah. Yeah, hard knocks in the Scottish League and then Ajax, and then he's physical as well and powerful. And then um, an awful tackle by Joao Polina on McGinn, which just hacked him down. And then two minutes later, his replacement, they just took him straight off. Sasa Lukic did the same on yeah. um, Douglas Louise. Just yeah, so impressive to get five yellows from the 86th minute on. And then Traore was put through on Martinez, and Martinez redeemed himself. Never in doubt. Traditional in doubt. Uh, one-on-one save from Martinez, but <laughs> there was a moment, though, where he celebrates it, but he celebrates it with his back to play, and the ball comes out, and it and it goes to a Fulham player, I think, or eventually arrives at a Fulham player. And then he can't... He can't it's a bit like when... there was a, Who was it against? There was a one-on-one... Was it against Everton? Where somebody yeah. was put yes. through. Is it Calvert Calvin Lewin? Calvert Lewin went through, didn't he? He ran back to and the goal. And he, he turned around back, back to the action, ran back. It was similar to that. He was celebrating with his back to the action, and then he turned around. But there was a moment there, if that ball had gone straight to a Fulham player, that where they, they could have hit it first time, and he'd be turning around and the ball would be sailing over his head. But uh, all good in the end. But yeah, a bit of a, a different side of Fulham that you don't normally uh, see. And you can understand now why they have been strong recently at home. And I think that bodes well, hopefully, if any of our uh, rivals have to go there. Well, man, you have got Fulham at home next weekend, yeah. which hopefully Fulham can do us a favour. I mean, Fulham don't tend to travel well, but um, you can see why they've got themselves about. Because, you know, we were bringing on, I think, was it Dinia and Diaby, D- you know, smaller, diminutive yeah. fellas who are you know, good players, but... <laughs> You're not putting him up against absolute tanks. And then we actually brought on Timur Ogbenham. I think his first touch was to smash through one of their players. And you thought, well, that'll settle him down well. It was, it was a good little game. You know, obviously, coming back from the Nigeria's Af- Afghan, their, their two Nigerians will be a bit more uh, up and at it for the United yeah. game, hopefully. hopefully. Now, they've had a, now they've had some minutes. Yeah. And they certainly carry a threat, didn't they? Yeah, that United defence isn't all there, is it? No, they're there to be got at. I mean, they've been getting away with it for, for weeks, annoyingly. The big bonus this weekend was obviously Wolves beating Spurs. Yes. So uh, that was well as, done. As to big the... as the win, really, because just psychologically putting you back into fourth place is, is big, isn't it? After last week's disappointment, it just calms everyone down. Well done to the Dogheads. Unfortunately, uh, United beat Luton, but that's a game that I, you know, it's a given. You've written it down. Anything else is a big bonus. Mm-hmm. And Wolves was the bonus because I didn't think Wolves would go to Spurs and win. To be honest, so yeah, coming out of that game, I, I don't have. Much problem with the uh, Torres and Longley uh, situation? No, n- neither do I. I mean, I mean, if you had the, just at this moment in time, if you had to choose between Longley and Carlos, which one that you would want to keep around the squad? I mean, I'm sorry, I would be picking Longley at the moment, just from what mm. he's shown with a bigger body of work. Chris, would you rate Longley over Carlos? Right now, yes, but Carlos maybe has a—I don't know—maybe has a slightly different ceiling because you've seen Carlos have some really good games. You know, the yeah. fact that he sort of dominated Harland and some of his, you know, approach play and ball playing is is, is on a par. Then I don't know. It, it shows how well our you know, squad was constructed at the start of the season. Obviously, we know we lost Mings, but you've been playing with you know sort of fourth and fifth choice centre backs. I'm glad we've got Torres back. And frankly, if if um, if Long lays the stopgap till Konza comes back in a couple of weeks, then I don't think we're in, in too bad a shape. And we can, I think we can potentially work without Kamara. We might just have to tweak the way we play. But if Ramsey comes back to the four and we've got other guys, you know, if you get a bit more out of you know, guys like Diaby, you've got the, the new lad Rogers, etc., you know, you've got options. So I think 
while there was a little bit of panic earlier in the week, I think we've kind of have, kind of got to have the attitude of right. We've got the wind back in our sails a little bit. Now we've got to go. Now, yeah. I mean, we I mentioned this uh, a few podcasts ago where I, I said in terms of our centre backs, we've never had a better squad of centre backs in the history of this That's club. Incredible the rotation we've got. Yeah, I mean, you got fourth and fourth and fifth choice centre backs who've both played Champions League football. And this is one, you know, there's certain factions of the support when. Emery was talking about the seven better teams. He, he repeated that after United, the seven better teams than us. And he had some fans kind of holding on to that and saying, yeah, yeah, no, we, you know, this is a false position where we are. And, you know, if we finish sixth or seventh, that's all right. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. This, this is like kidology, isn't it? Yes. You only have to see the Leon Bailey interview before this game where he says, we're going for Champions League. That's what we're after. And you don't have a centre-back setup like this unless you're going for the long haul. As soon as Mings got injured, they went straight in and got Longley. So they had four. They weren't like, ah, you know, we've got three centre-backs. We can wing it on that. There's Chambers who could fill in as well. Yeah, and they've all been playing, haven't they, through the season? They've all got through a bit of work this year. It's not like he's been playing two and one or two have been dropping in here and there. Longley has had a run of games now and he's been playing in Europe. Carlos the same. They've all had good moments in the season. And they've all chipped him with goals, to be fair. Because Longley, there was talk of him leaving, was it AC Milan uh, in January? And they were like, whoa, 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 you're not going anywhere. We need you, son. And it just so happened that obviously Torres got injured, but you know you want to have Torres back in your team. And if, if Cons is back in a couple of weeks, Longley and Carlos will probably find themselves you know, back involved for the European stuff. But that's gonna that will come round quickly. And of course, we're going to have a, a European away leg a few days before the, the visit of Spurs. Yeah. So it's going to be a big week, that one. Yeah, watch out for that draw. That's coming up soon. Phil Shaw, key stat. Well, we have a, a lot of key stats in this one, but we'll go with the, the big one first. This is about Unai Emery, and it was his 50th Premier League game in charge of Aston Villa. He has 30 wins and 98 points. He drawn 8, lost 12, and it's 5 more victories and 9 more points than any other Villa manager in that number of games. It's so staggering, that's impressive. isn't it? It's it is staggering. That's, that's championship form. I mm. think John Gregory made a great start when he took over, but then... He did, didn't he? Obviously, and then they really tanked after Christmas. Tanked. Yeah, thanks to Jacob Tanswell for that uh, doing research for us. Yeah. Then we go on to the, these are ones that came out in, on Villa's own Watkins. It's his most productive season in all competitions in a Villa shirt. Seventeen goals. Although me personally would asterisk the three against Hibs. I might reduce that to like one. They only counted as one, maybe. But <laughs> could you just could you just imagine if he could take if he could take a penalty? what he would be on yeah no that is the the main thing there's uh, there's a lot of there's a few people out there saying uh, on social media the great greatest striker in recent memory best filler striker it's like you know kind of recency bias isn't it as uh, we see a lot like when people are saying Grealish was the greatest ever Villa player it's like yeah well you forget about some actual you know real greats in this case I, he's not he's not as good as Benteke I don't Villa Benteke he's not Liverpool Benteke we're talking about we're talking or Palace for Benteke we're talking about Villa Benteke if Villa Benteke was in this team oh, watch out oh. Although he's a, he's a different player. I mean, I, I really like Watkins, yeah. but you know, you're talking about prime Dwight York as well for yeah. two or three yeah. seasons where he was one of the, the best. I mean, I know Watkins is one of the best in the league, but you're talking about York as one of the best strikers in the league where probably what every every team had a 15, 20 goals a season striker at that point in English football. Probably the most one of the most iconic periods. for, And they were all like English strikers as well. And York could take on a team on his own as he proved against Newcastle when we were down to 10 men, but he still yeah. carried the fight and scored a hat-trick. Uh, although I think eventually we got beat 4-3, didn't we? We did. 
Watkins has been great, so long may his run continue. But yeah, going back to Watkins, yeah, he has, uh, and he really needs to get to that 20. I said a good few months ago, if Villa are going to get into the Champions League, we're going to need something like Watkins to pop up with 20 goals and drag yeah. us there. And with the games we've got coming up, you sort of, you know, you've got Forrest to come to Villa Park, you've got a trip to Luton, Spurs coming to Villa Park, and more. He's going to have to sort of crack on. And if you want to go into the business end of Europe as well, he's going to really have to, you know, put his foot down. Although I would caveat some of the European stuff by saying at some point I think you're going to have to try and rest him, and Europe might be when you have to do that. Unfortunately, no, he's playing. Fill your boots, Holly. Let's go. <laughs> Top uh, FPL player. Well, it's it's Watkins. No, no shock there. Thirteen points from his two goals. Ooh. He's like up there, isn't he? After Haaland, he's like the main man, or is he above Haaland? Yeah. He's above Haaland. He's, he's actually after Salah when it comes to the goal yeah. involvements. He's, he's just behind him, although Salah's back fit now, so he'll need to do something yeah. to catch him. Right, while you're talking, let's get some medium Muppets action. Right, what's in the trough this week, Mr. Shaw? Well, this week it's about um, the tale of two goalkeepers for Fulham and Aston Villa. Ooh. Yeah. Now, it, this came from an interview in The Sun. Now, it's it's an urban myth, and it's sort of like a meme, that Emmy Martinez only got to the heights that he got to because Leno got injured in Project Restart whenever Neil Mopay made him go twist his knee. So it, it's the sort of thing that it... it deflects from the sort of the qualities that Martinez had because Martinez came in for those last 10 games he played well Arsenal won the FA Cup and the Community Shield and then of course the rest is history moves to Villa gets the number one position in Argentina goes on wins the Copa America wins the World Cup wins the Golden Glove shafts that everything's good leads Villa into Europe Champions Leagues we get, we'll hopefully get into that and, and the Europa Conference League as well is, he wins that as well yeah but it's it's the sort of thing that you you don't expect uh, you know the player involved to sort of agree with the, the internet as well but it turns out that Bernd Leno still believes this as well he said in the interview with the Sun before the game probably Emmy's career wouldn't have happened if I had stayed on my line that day I mean I think the only thing that changed was Villa having to fork out 20 million for no, Martinez I, I, I think you're being a bit rash here I, I kind of agree with this urban myth oh, one. Villa, Villa were needing a keeper I think the only thing that happened was Martinez was a bit harder to get after that he would have been on their books it wouldn't have just been suddenly oh he's playing well on TV get him in yeah I don't know I don't know because mm. uh, it is a bit of a he actually proved himself as a Premier League keeper which he was out on loan most of the time he rarely got a sniff for Arsenal so that would have been like oh he looks alright and then a case of right can we actually get him because because they would have put in the call and said will he be Arsenal's number one and I think the, the verdict was no he wouldn't be and then they thought right let's get him because he wants to play first team football because I think he would have wanted it at Arsenal and he was probably thinking right I've, I've won my spot now here we go and they said no sorry mate and he was like right fuck you I'm off to Villa He's always said that, hasn't he, about Villa, that he's, you know, that he's been so appreciative that Villa were the ones that gave him the platform to achieve yeah. everything he's achieved. So, unless you want to defend that, Phil, sure. <laughs> I'm calling it. <laughs> you, can, you can believe the urban myth if you want. I mean, Leno should have just been a bit more humble about it and just said, you know... Well, no, what's, what's he said that's wrong? No, just at the time that Martinez left, um, they interviewed Leno and says, this was the Mirror interviewed him this time, and he said, you know, did you ever fear losing your place to Martinez? He says, no, I've never feared it because the club gave me the feeling I was number one. I am yeah. the number one and, and I will be the number one. But then yeah, that fits what I've Ramsdale. been saying. That fits what I've been saying because that's what they told Martinez as well. And he said, right, see you later. Screw you guys, you cockney bastards. <laughs> 
that's what that's how it played out. That's how I remember it. So it was a bit of a sliding doors moment for sure. I think I'm not 100 percent sure that that he would have turned up at Villa if he hadn't played. Also, you got to justify dropping money. Obviously, as you say, his price would have gone up, but they would have to, to see him win an FA Cup and a Community Shield at Wembley would have reassured them however much money they're going to pump into him so uh i don't know mr medium muppet <laughs> right any final words everything just feels a little bit calmer doesn't it you know if, if anything actually you're looking at bar the, the sort no, of no, we're still going week result. to week <laughs> there's a crisis yeah. as you said as you said on the something for the weekend as steve bruce once said the next villa crisis is only a week away now we'll see what <laughs> letters get published this week when forest complete the double over villa there's the next crisis I fucking better not. We need to get our home record back. One winning five is not a good look from where we've been over the last sort of year yeah. or so. We need to get a home win and drop out. We mm. need to massacre those yeah. uh, tricky trees. Tree dwelling mm. trickies. Top some down. Right, until the visit of the tricky trees. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.